Welcome to Floods of Justice. We are continuing the conversation amidst the coronavirus pandemic. And today we're specifically uh, bringing in a special guest to talk about the stimulus package and how it is affecting nonprofits. If you have your Bibles, open them to Amos chapter 5. And I want to read verse 24, where the prophet Amos says, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, justice, justice. Bloods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Led by Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs, affectionately known as Pastor Kevin or Rev Kev, he is the senior pastor of Franklin Community Church and founder of Franklin Community Development in Franklin, Tennessee. He is also a published author, teacher, professor, activist, abolitionist, husband, father, grandfather, scuba diver, and coffee connoisseur, which is why this podcast is brought to you from the coffee house at 2nd and Bridge in downtown Franklin. Let's begin the conversation. Welcome back. Here we are on another coronavirus episode of Floods of Justice. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing good. You got your coffee? I do. I do. I'm looking. We are actually recording this episode via Zoom this time. I think we've changed formats and structures on every single episode in the last four. But I see a coffee mug there, and I also see a coffee mug from our, our guest for today, which we'll introduce here briefly, but yeah, the the other day I was I was um, at home doing some studying and and uh, just really really started missing the coffee house. Started having withdrawals. So <laughs> yeah, and it's not caffeine. It's not no, just no, the caffeine. It's, it's just the the whole idea of getting out of the house and going yeah, somewhere. <laughs> just go somewhere. We've got a big backyard here, so fortunately I can go outside sometimes. And sometimes it's just to go out. I'm like, I just, I just have to leave these four walls. Just get me out of here. Yeah, yeah. We've been Misty and I have been doing a lot of walks, uh, going out. Uh, I have to go out to a hotel, you know, once every day at least to to deal with the uh, our homeless, the people experiencing homelessness, making sure they're okay. Uh, and so I'm out a little bit, but uh, but I'm ready to get back to some type of normal. Uh, normal schedule uh, so hopefully yeah. soon well we were in a, a holding pattern for about 10 days you mentioned uh, on the church service you know we were in contact with somebody who whose doctor recommended they go in to get tested based on some symptoms fortunately the test came back negative and it wasn't an issue but we we had that brief period of oh man this is this is tough to just sit and wait for a, a result yeah. from a test and then talking with her the the stigma and the the shame experience that she got going into the doctor's office. Like they, they made her come around the side entrance with a full scarf and didn't want to tell people. And there's so much secrecy. It was, it's a wild experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a surreal times. And of course, a lot of it is, is, um, is having an economic uh, impact. And that's really what I want to continue to talk about uh, today. Um, and before, before we get into this, I said this last week when we were talking to our guests from a, uh, New York, and I just want to say it again, the, uh, our primary concern is people and the uh, impact that it has on people. Nothing can, uh, nothing can take the place of that. But last week and this week, we're talking about uh, nonprofits and churches. Um, and again, this came out of an article I read that estimated that as, as many as 50% of all nonprofits are not going to survive this. And so, um, you know, the economic impact on it. And so I don't want people to think that we're just jumping and starting talking about the financial situations in nonprofits and churches uh, without realizing that the, the major impact is on individual people. Uh, but so many nonprofits are doing good work and so many churches are doing good work um, helping people who are going through difficulties that I think that uh, it's important to have this discussion of just uh, uh, what is out there. And, and for the first time in my lifetime that I can remember, 
um, this uh, stimulus package or the help that is coming from um, Washington uh, has made funds available for nonprofits and churches who want to take advantage of it, especially in the there's a payroll protection plan, the PPP, that is um, that is there so that nonprofits and churches can keep their payrolls going and uh, and to, to help pull them out of this so that we don't lose uh, the people that are doing such good work. And I'm not sure about this, but I think it probably goes back to President Bush and his his faith based initiative, uh, where you know President Bush was very very clear that he thought that uh, churches did a, a better job of community service and community outreach than the government could, and so he started that. and And so there's been money available. Our church receives a grant uh, from HUD that helps us uh, take homeless people and put them into housing. And so and so and that's part of the faith based initiative. And so there's there's been money like that out there. Uh, but sometimes as nonprofits, especially if it's a Christian-based nonprofit or a church, we've been hesitant to kind of get in uh, to do that and take money from the government. But but we may need to this time just simply to try to keep keep our ministries and our and the service that we do going. And so with that in mind, I, I ask an, a special guest um, uh, to come join us. Uh, he wouldn't say he's an expert on this, but he knows more than we do. So so that makes him an, an expert on this. It doesn't say much for me, <laughs> but for you. <laughs> and uh, he and I were on a Zoom conference a week or so ago talking about this, and uh, he was one of the people presenting some facts uh, about it and, it, and I found it extremely helpful for us. Um, and uh, And so I invited him to come join us. His name is Mark Judkins. He's from Detroit, Michigan, and that's where he that's where he is even now. He's the Director of Finance and Administration uh, for Christian Community Development Association, uh, CCDA, and uh, that's a large network of, uh, of nonprofits and, uh, and churches who, who are concerned about their communities. And so, Mark, it's good to have you with us today. How are you doing? Oh, doing well. It's great to be here this morning. Um, yeah, here in Detroit, we are facing uh, you know, a pretty tough week, like several Hot spots in the nation, so I would ask. Yeah, you you're the next. You're the next hot spot. Yeah, so tell yeah, us a little bit about what's people. going on. Yeah, um, it's actually pretty surreal um, to see. Um, you know, when we had uh, the decay of the auto industry in in the, the late uh, 2000s or 2008 to 2012, that time frame, Detroit was pretty empty at the time. So it's not unusual for us to see empty streets, but we had this great revitalization that happened. And now some of these places that have been abandoned in the past, it, it almost looks apocalyptic in places of Detroit. Um, they're being used for, um, you know, drive-through test centers and stuff. And to see people in hazmat suits in these apocalyptic looking spots, uh, it's really pretty intimidating and eye-opening, you know. So people are afraid. Um, a lot of people that um, live in our city, um, the, the issues that have been a problem for our city for a long time, things that, you know, organizations that we're talking to here are trying to alleviate in our neighborhoods, um, you know, some of the inequities that we see. Um, this coronavirus pandemic has exposed that even further and exasperated it. So I'm hoping God will use this for good, that people will recognize uh, some of the, the issues. Um, and I, I know many of our CCDA organizations are working hard in their neighborhoods to try to, uh, you know, see that something good will come out of this in the long run. CCDA's mission is to inspire, train, and connect Christians who seek to bear witness to the kingdom of God by reclaiming and restoring under-resourced communities. That doesn't change because there's a pandemic. <laughs> you know, we the Christians have 
operated through wars and pandemics in the past. And, you know, we'll continue to do so. And we'll see God do great things on the other side of this. Yeah, and, and I would encourage anyone listening to this um, to go to ccda.org. Um, that's an organization that I'm involved with. Our church is members of it. And, uh, and, and that organization is extremely important to us. Um, a lot of our philosophy of ministry comes from, uh, uh, from CCDA. And uh, a lot of the things, a lot of times people ask me why our church does what we do or where do we get the idea to do what we do. And, and well, part of that is CCDA is where a lot of that uh, came from. So if you're not familiar with CCDA, um, please uh, check them out, ccda.org. It was one of the co-founders with Dr. John Perkins, a civil rights icon. And, um, and, and so just this idea of taking the gospel to the streets and uh, trying to transform communities for the glory of God is, is, uh, is a big deal. And, uh, and I'm sure that this has affected uh, CCDA on one level or another. I think every church, every nonprofit is, is kind of feeling the pinch right now and just, okay, how long is this going to last? How's it going to affect, uh, affect our giving? Uh, are we are we going to be able to keep doing uh, what what we're doing? Um, but since that Zoom call a week or so ago, have you gotten a lot of phone calls from CCDA, CCDA members saying, "Hey, help us out with this PPP"? Oh yeah, just uh, just introduced a lot of people to it, and that there that churches have access to some government assistance for, like you said, one of the the first times. Um, I'm also an ordained uh, reverend in the Wesleyan Church, so. I'm getting a lot of calls from churches are, you know, talking about, can they have access to these funds? What happened is right away, the government saw people starting to lay folks off immediately. That's our reaction. How are we going to survive? Well, you, you, you can't lay people off and survive. You have to continue to work. You know, you, we have to produce in order to survive. People don't give to organizations that hibernate, you know, we, you got to be active in this time. So, and, and businesses don't survive by laying people off. You can't cut your way to prosperity as a business. So um, I think they did the right thing and say, oh, how are we going to uh, help these organizations make it for a month or two during this pandemic where they're, they're going to see their donations go down? You know, restaurants aren't going to have customers. So they've they made a, 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 a bill that uh, small businesses, churches, and nonprofits, small nonprofits, anybody under 500 employees, and any salaries over a hundred thousand don't qualify. So it's really geared towards the small businesses. How can they make it? And they'll give us basically two months of payroll. That's forgivable. As long as you don't lay off uh, your staff, you know, they'll give you the money up front, but it'll be a forgivable loan or forgivable loan. If you keep your staffing level and you don't lower anybody's wages more than 25%. Um, Yeah. if If you do that, if you do those things, if you don't meet those criteria, it turns out to be a long-term loan at very, very low interest rate and good terms. But yeah, well, let me tell you, let me tell you what we've done, at least, and what I understand, and you kind of help fill in the details. Um, I have filled out for our church the initial paperwork uh, for for the payroll protection plan (PPP), um, but it, but you have to go through your local bank. You don't you don't really apply to the government for it. You, you apply. Uh, through your local bank, uh, the bank has to be an SBA bank, right? Correct. Um, and um, and then um, we, I've done the initial paperwork, and then I got the email uh, that basically says, "Okay, here's all the forms we need." And I haven't started that daunting task because I can tell you, mm-hmm. uh, and anyone listening uh, from uh, from working with a grant uh, in our homeless program, uh, 
uh, that it's going to be paperwork like you've never <laughs> like you've never seen before. I mean, it's just paperwork on top of paperwork on top of paperwork. But what I mean, that's about as far as I've gotten. But just kind of if you can maybe outline, OK, if, if you're interested in this, here's what you need to do. The first thing you need to do, you know, what are some of the forms that, you know, people need that they're going to yeah. ask for? Just kind of walk us through what that would look like. Of course. Yeah, the first thing you need to have is be sure and have a bank account with a you know with an SBA lender, small business administration lender. That's unfortunately a lot of our small and religious uh, based banks or nonprofit based banks. Many of them are not SBA lenders. So if you're only working through a you know a small or local bank, which I like to do, I like to work with our small little independent banks or a religious based banking, um, but many of them are not SBA lenders. So you have to first check to make sure your bank is an SBA lender. Um, one of the first questions are, you already have account with, with us. If you don't have an account with them already, they're not going to apply for this for you. But we have to go through a bank. The bank is actually loaning you the money, not the government. The government's just guaranteeing it. If we default on it, you know, the government's guarantee it. So that's why you have to go through a bank. Um, and then uh, you need to have your, your two and a, you can borrow up to two and a half months of your payroll. Um, so your average payroll for the last 12 months, you take your last 12 months of payroll, divide that by 12, multiply it by two and a half. That's how much you can borrow. And uh, so you can include things like your uh, health insurance in your payroll, um, um, housing allowance, things like that. Um, any uh, retirement, uh, that's all considered payroll. Um, you just have to have the documentation to show it. And so if you use a third-party payroll organization, um, they have created reports to help you calculate all this. So most third-party payrolls have. Um, and uh, so you can go on your third-party payroll. But if you do your own payroll, you're going to have to calculate that, you know, with your accountant. Yeah, and I think that's going to be most people. I mean, the, the way I see this working um, is – you know, your, your small churches and your small nonprofits are the ones that are, are, I think going to be hit the hardest, the quickest. Yes. Um, because you know, a lot of small churches, uh, unfortunately they're kind of operating week to week, uh, you know, yeah. based on their giving and, and they obviously don't have a third, a third party payroll. They're, they're writing their checks as the money comes in. Yeah. Um, but, but yet yeah, they need it. Now let me, I, let me, let me tell you this, if I, and I'm just throwing this out there. This is mainly for churches. I work in both the church and the nonprofit world, um, but, but I hope this is encouraging and not discouraging. But if you're a church and you want to think about doing this, I'm going to give you a, a heads up. Um, you're going to have to supply your FEIN, your, you know, your employee, oh, yeah. employee identification number. And when we had to do that last summer when we were, uh, getting, when we were getting set up to receive the, the grant from HUD, um, I found it, it, it was a lot of work because the majority of churches, what, what a lot of churches are going to find out is that they're, they're not going to be able to, the, they're going to turn in their FEIN number. And then when the bank or whoever puts in their FEIN number, it's going to come up as there's no such number. Um, and so you've got to call the IRS, you've got to send another letter. And basically you're, you're going to have to reactivate your FEIN. Uh, because most churches, you, you know, you got to have that F like you're like my church, for example, originally started in 1969. So they had the same FEIN number since 1969. But because churches don't file taxes, um, that FEIN becomes dormant. 
Um, and so then, you know, so then I gave them my FEIN and they're like, no such number exists. And it was a headache, but it can be done. So, so don't quit. If it comes back, we don't find this FEIN number, just contact the IRS, explain what's going on. They'll, they'll look for it and eventually they'll find it. And, uh, and then they'll, they'll reactivate it. But, you know, I, I, I've been telling people, most churches don't know that their FEIN is inactive because, uh, because they just, because, you know, most churches don't file taxes or 990 or anything like that. And so it just becomes dormant. Have you run into that? Yeah. And you also have the challenge that many churches are affiliated with the denomination yeah. and maybe their EIN is through a, a denomination. And, you know, I'm a Wesleyan pastor, so we have thousands of churches. So if you pull yeah. up the Wesleyan churches EIN, there's thousands of employees, so it doesn't qualify. Well, yeah. you, you have to be persistent with your bank about that. We have had Wesleyan churches, you know, we get approval from our, every denomination is going to be different. Some won't approve it, but in the Wesleyan church, the, the, you get an approval from your district that says, yes, right. they are allowed to apply for this under our affiliated EIN. And we have had, uh, Wesleyan churches get approval, get the yes from their bank using that process. So it can be done. It's just difficult. Yeah, yeah it's just difficult. And so don't quit the first time you fill it out and they come back and say, you don't have an FEIN number. Um, don't, don't quit. Don't panic. You heard it here. That's going to happen. Yeah. So just yeah. take the next step. You got to dig a little bit deeper and, uh, and work a little bit harder, but, uh, but, but it will, it will work out in the long run. You just got to stay persistent. Yeah. They want to give you a, this loan. So remember yeah. that that's the, the bank, there's, the bank has no risk and they're able to make an, some interest on it at the end, lending fees up front, all that. They want to give you this loan. So they're going to work with us the best they can to try. Yeah, to they can. It. And again, even though you're saying loan, you, you can't overemphasize enough. It is that, forgivable. That this is a forgivable <laughs> loan. So it turns If into, you have your documentation, though, Kevin, yeah. that's the problem. A lot of our churches don't do well yeah. documenting because we don't, like you said, we don't do tax returns every year. You need to keep your payroll records. You need to keep your bills for, you know, insurance and mm -hmm. your, your lease paint or your, uh, you know, all the, all your bills, you need to keep that paperwork because they're going to be asking for it. And that's how you will get forgiven by providing that documentation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's a good thing. And, and, you know, it's been my experience too. A lot of nonprofits are kind of run that way as well. A lot of smaller nonprofits, yes. they're, mm -hmm. they're, ki they're kind of a mom, pa workshop yep. and they don't keep very good records either. Uh, but you've got, you have got to keep records. Cause I don't think, apply for the loan if you don't keep your records, cause it's going to end up, you won't be forgiven if you don't have the documentation. Yeah. 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 And, and if it's not forgiven, it turns, what's the terms of the loan? Is it five years, um, 10 years? No, it's pretty, it's low interest rate. I don't have that right in front of <clears> me. From the nonprofit perspective, what documents are out? Is it still just payroll? I mean, make sure you got your FEIN. Do you have to, to, uh, to do, are you going to have to give them a 990 form? No, you don't have to give a 990. The payroll records like 941s that we, we okay. file every year with your payroll taxes, things like that. If you're not paying, you know, payroll taxes on your employees, then yeah. you don't have those. Um, now, is this good for both 1099 and W-2 employees or is it just one or the other? I would not. I mean, you can. I was on an Illinois SB Small Business Administration call, and they actually said to one person who was a, a small business that he said, I've always just paid my people as uh, contractors. And they said, anybody you have that's like an employee, include them. 
Well, yeah. the problem, if you know, if you say somebody as a contractor and they're like an employee, you owe payroll taxes on those people. So that's like, almost like they're trying to catch, catch the folks there. Uh, put, I, I would recommend anybody that's 1099, they apply for it themselves because they that's are what a, a contractor. Say, the, 1099, the 1099s, that's another unique thing about this. If you're self-employed, uh, you know, you, you can apply for it. You know, I, I mean, there's even, um, seemed like somebody told me that, um, you, that, you know, as a, as a minister, I'm considered self-employed and I've never been eligible for unemployment, but, but with today this, you are today yeah. we are because of this. So even, yes. you know, so if you're, if you're a pastor of church or you're running a small nonprofit, I would think, and maybe you are <clears throat> because it's so small going to 1099 route, um, then, uh, then you could file for unemployment, which you've never been able to before. Um, and uh, and, then, and and then the gig workers, so like the musicians. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you and you know you make your money um, doing gigs, uh, you know singing, uh, and people just give you 1099s, you can apply for help uh, under this under this as well. And what's amazing, I've I've never seen this that they're not actually asking the churches to pay into state unemployment insurance to cover that. As a mm -hmm. business, you have to do that, but because they're saying church employees can apply for unemployment, but they're not going to have churches pay into the state unemployment. Yeah. And it's just, so a special, that's really surprising. And it's just a special circumstance. I mean, yes. this time next year, you can't do you it. You won't be able to do that. Yes. Yeah. This is really just to get people through this. I guess what they're hoping is just going to be about an eight week period. <laughs> yeah. Everything is kind of geared around eight weeks. Yeah. Uh, I guess they're hoping. I've heard uh, here in Detroit, the auto industry is really pushing to have the factories back open by May 4th. Yeah. And they're talking about doing uh, this crazy kind of thing, you know, called smart quarantine, where yeah. they track you on your phone and your credit cards and all that to make sure you're following if you're quarantined. So that's what's oh, coming. Man. Yeah. Yeah. We're Mark of the Beast. Uh, yeah. That's a whole, that's yeah. a whole other episode. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> but they already track us everywhere we go. So. Yeah, well, they do. They do. Uh, hey, Kevin, you got anything you want to ask or add before we take a break? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll do this when we come back out of the break. But we've kind of talked about, uh, you know, some of the, the challenges, the things to watch out for as you're applying and uh, some, some warnings. But when we come back, Mark, I, I want to kind of hear your opinion and Pastor Kevin on the, the ethical debate of, all right, you're, you're going to be accepting government funds. How does that affect how you can function as a church, as a nonprofit? Um, but I think that might be a little bit longer conversation. So let's, let's take a commercial break right now. And when we come back, we'll dive into some more of these. The Floods of Justice podcast is brought to you by the Coffee House at Second and Bridge. Since 1904, they have stood at the corner of Second and Bridge Street in the heart of downtown Franklin. Their house-made menu items are crafted with care and love. Baked goods are made from scratch each morning, and specialty coffee is always ground and brewed fresh. So come on down, wander the rooms, join us at the coffee bar, and find a space to enjoy the food, the drink, and maybe even a recording of the Floods of Justice podcast. All right, we're back talking to uh, Mark Judkins with CCDA. And uh, before we took a break, um, we were talking about the terms of the PPP if, if, uh, if you end up the, the loan should be forgiven, but if you end up having to pay it back, um, what would the terms be? Yeah, anything that, like if you don't have, if you borrow your maximum two and a half months of payroll, and let's say you're not, a you're not able to justify that 
in the next two months uh, that you've paid that much in payroll. The, the balance wouldn't be forgiven. And that would be, uh, there's six months complete deferment of any payments on that. And then you have two year term for the balance at 1% interest. And there's no prepayment penalty to pay it all off early or anything like that. So you can't get a better term on a, on a note like that. So During the break, I, uh, I, I got on Facebook and somebody had sent me an article uh, this is just since we were talking about it earlier and the articles from the business insider. And um, it says, um, Dr. Fauci says the coronavirus is shining a bright light on unacceptable health disparities oh. for African-Americans. And so it's good that, um, that that's getting some attention. Yes, it is. It, you know, well, here in Detroit, we've known that we've had this huge disparity between, you know, access to health care in the city versus out, you know, and uh, so I'm glad that that's getting exposed. Yeah. Ho hopefully some good will come uh, out of that, out of that. Kevin, you said you had a question or you asked us a question before the break. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, you, you hear the phrase, Hey, it's free money, free money. Like go ahead and just apply for it. And we've kind of talked, you know, the requirements, the paperwork requirements, which for someone with my personality is a bit overwhelming. And I go, Oh, Oh, that's so much you've got to document or, or prove outside of just the the clerical work on it do you guys feel like there's any anything to be cautious about when you're accepting as as a nonprofit or as a as a, a religious nonprofit or church is there anything you should be cautious about in accepting this money for reasons other than all right i'm eventually going to have to prove that i've maintained business as normal or i'm going to have to pay back this loan Mark, I'll let you say, take a stab go at ahead, it. Kevin. No, I'll let you take a stab at it first. I would say absolutely there's things you should be talking about. Um, there, this is definitely crossing the line between separation of church and state that we have so long protected. Um, if you remember a few years ago, maybe it wasn't that long ago, but people were concerned about churches being able, I'm not saying this will happen. But this is just talking about the debate we had about churches having to submit their sermons if they're getting any kind of uh, government assistance and things like that. That could happen here. I mean, not saying it will. We don't know what's going to happen after this. You take money from the government, like a nonprofit, we have to file 990s every year, tax returns every year. Even though we don't pay taxes, they still want to know every detail of you know, where you spent your money. Is it going to the you know neighborhood uh, a good you know are you, what what is your mission is it is it doing good in the neighborhood and you have to prove those things to the government to keep that tax status every year. Um, this just opens the door for you to no longer have that defense of separation of church and state. Uh, it's separation until I can get some money from them. Then I'm going to get a, throw that knock that wall down and grab it. You know, so we got to have that. That needs to be a debate with our board and our elder staff and all that stuff to, to talk about, you know, do we, is it worth risking? It's going to be determined in the courts in the future, all these things, um, what this will apply, you know, but I don't, I don't think it's, it's not free money. It will come with some strings attached. There will be paperwork. There will be reporting requirements. And we've shown that we are, that, that wall between church and state is not as rock solid as we want it to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I think obviously you got to read the small print very, very carefully uh, on this. I mean, I think you know we're we've been headed down the road for a while, and I, who knows how long it'll take. But eventually, I think 
um, you know, I don't know if churches will so much lose their tax exempt status as much as um, churches will be grouped in to nonprofits and treated the same way as nonprofits, which means you got to file the 990s. Uh, there is going to be more reporting that you're going to have to do to the government um, in order to keep that uh, to keep that nonprofit uh, status. I think uh, one way to look at it, though, and this and this is just kind of just a way to look at it uh, from a church perspective. You know, obviously, churches for the most part, if not almost entirely, are dependent on people in the church giving money. Now those now people in the churches are losing money. Uh, they're losing their jobs, so they don't have the money to give to the church anymore. Those people that are giving money to the church are also people who pay taxes. Um, and so the and so the government coming in to help at this particular time, you could, I, I think, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm making this case off the cuff, so I may regret it later. But I think you can say, well, what the, you know, the, the people who have been given to my church are people who have been paying taxes. They're no longer able to give because they lost their job, and so the government is is coming in to supplement just for a um, just for a brief period of time. But I think, um, but I do think, yeah, you are opening up the door, like Mark said, and uh, and you don't know. when I mean, we we talked about this as a church before we took the grant uh, um, to help homeless, and and what, and I talked to a lot of people about that because um, the way our church operates. Um, you know, our, our nonprofit wing is called Franklin Community Development, but it's really part of our church. So, so the government, uh, HUD, gave the grant to Franklin Community Church doing business as Franklin Community Development. Uh, but the key being that the first person on that, on that uh, agreement was, was the church, and that was just kind of how, how it was set up. But what I was told by people was that, and again, this goes back to the faith-based initiative that Bush helped and then every president afterwards has reaffirmed um, is that if if you're going to take the money from the government, the stipulations are you have to use it for what the government says you're going to use it for. And you can't use it to proselytize. That, that's kind of mm-hmm. one of the big things. And so this money for us, it goes to moving people from homelessness to housing. That's what it has to be used for. It can't be used to pay the church bills. It can't be used. And you have to keep records to make sure. But as long as you're spending the money the way that the, the way uh, that the terms are you're going to spend that money, then um, then that's good. And so back to the PPP, I think what they're doing is it's just for payroll. It's not it's not to pay your church utilities. There's another loan you can get for that, right? Uh, to help with utilities and all that. Actually, for for forgiveness, you can include your utilities for, you for, for the PPP, yeah. or is that yes for e? the PPP? Okay. When you go to ask for forgiveness, you can include your utilities and some other a few other small things, but. Uh, there are other loans available for other for for all the other things yeah. yeah so but i think as long as you're using like like you're not going to get a loan so you can do your vacation bible school no you don't want to and the challenge there if payroll you're you know we as a church we do discriminate based on religion we're not mm-hmm. going to hire somebody you know we say you have that's to follow point. your statement of faith and we're paying them now that's not the intent of this law at all to interfere with that yeah, the intent is to keep your people employed, so we don't have an economic collapse. But we all know, after the fact, intent and what happens <laughs> is two different things, right? I mean, there's going to be all kinds of cases about, you know, was this funding yeah. people that discriminate in their employment practices? So yeah, somebody turns you in saying that that you didn't hire them because of this particular whatever. 
and it goes against your beliefs and, and yeah. then they sue you for, for that. And, and the government says, well, okay, you either got to hire this person or pay that money back that, that, we, gave, that's that we gave you that we gave you 20 years ago. Yes. Not yeah. saying that's going to happen, but it opens the door for those things. Yeah. You so. got to go in with your eyes wide open uh, from that. And Mark, uh, you had mentioned the, the scarcity mindset. And one of my, one of my fears looking at this is that churches organizations are going to be in that panic mode of, ah, what do we do? What do we do? And then you can start the slippery slope of, well, what if we just sneak this in? What if we just do yeah. this? What if we cut this corner? And it seems like a, a dangerous trap unless you're going in uh, committed, prayerful, and consistent with your, you know, your morals. Yeah, this this your- is really, it really reminded, you know, we had, we talk about at CCDA uh, about toxic charity, you know, charity is a good thing, but we turn it toxic when we create this scarcity mentality and people, you know, if you've ever done a food distribution, you see people start lining up and, and calling their friends, they're going to run out of meat. You got to get up there now. And it gets crazy. You know, that's kind of what I've seen in the last two weeks with businesses. You got to be first in line. There's only so much money. People have panicked over this and we've, we've adopted that scarcity mentality uh, as a business people. So I'm hoping we see a good thing out of this that people, small business owners and stuff will see when you're not, you don't know how you're going to make your next payroll. That's very similar to employees that don't know when, how they're going to get their next groceries or their next paycheck. And there may be more compassion towards folks that are without, because we're feeling what it's like to be without and recognize how easy it is to get in that panic mode and that scarcity mentality. So there will be positive things like that, I believe, that come out of this. Yeah, and I can say maybe, I don't know if this if we're about done, but let me tell you two things real quick. Hopefully people will find this. I, I hesitate to share because I don't want think I don't want people to think this is going to happen to everybody, but but there is that element where you have to trust and you, know, you have to trust God to provide your needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can never get over that. Uh, two quick stories um, from our from a church perspective, at the very beginning of March. So before any of this really started, I mean, it was there, but before it blew up to what it was, out of the blue, someone just anonymously um, gave the church $26,000, just out of the blue. And I'm thinking, okay, what's this for? Well, wherever you need it. Well, now we haven't had church, we hadn't had church in a month. So our tithes and offerings are way down, you know, and I'm thinking, what would we, I would be, I would be, in a whole different mindset if that wouldn't have happened. I see God knew what was coming and he prepared, you know, for us to weather this storm. Then our local emergency management reached out to us to try to, Hey, you know, we're supposed to shelter in place, but we got people living in their cars, living on the streets. We need to get them in hotels. And I said, well, we'll take care of that. We'll, we'll pay it. You know, so our nonprofit is underwriting that with the hope. And I put that in parentheses with the hope, that when all this is over, we can apply to TEMA, Tennessee Emergency Management Association, and get a portion of what we spent back. No guarantee, but I'm told there's a really good chance we'll get like 75% uh, back. But in the meantime, we're having to underwrite it. So, well, how do we do this? And I, I put the word out, and the community responded uh, to where, you know, um, when things that have been promised come in, we're, we'll be right at $30,000 that was collected in a little over a week's time, two weeks' time to help us underwrite this until we can get reimbursed. And so God is faithful. Um, now for some people, God may want to show his faithfulness 
through, through going through some incredibly difficult times. Um, but God is faithful. And for us, God has been faithful and provided the way um, beforehand uh, in, in a lot of ways. But either way, you know, God is faithful. And that's what we got to hold on to. So if you're a Christian nonprofit or if you're just a nonprofit or, or NGO or you're a church or, uh, or whatever your religion may be, uh, you know, you, you have to trust the person who you say you believe in, uh, that he knows what's going on and he's going to take care of you and he's going to provide for your needs. And then that trickles all the way down to the family, you know, to the individual who's lost their job, um, to, the, to the individual who's, who's struggling. You may not know how it's going to work out, um, but, but um, you know, God's, God's going to provide in, uh, in, in one way or another. And we have to hold on to that. Uh, to that hope. Right. Well, Mark, <clears throat> you know, CCD, CCDA, uh, the, the mission, as you stated, was to, to help out communities, the under-resourced communities. Um, and so in this, in this time of the, the pandemic and, and the quarantine where people are, you know, feeling trapped at home and are physically trapped at home, what do you see kind of for the, the short-term future of how your organization can respond, how people can respond as as Christians who are ultimately called to to help serve the under-resourced, just as your organization does, yeah, it's very you know every congregation will have to um, you know answer that for themselves how they continue to serve their community. We do have to practice social distancing in Detroit. You get a thousand dollar fine if you're seen in a group, um, so we can't do anything you know in a group like that anymore. Um, so during this time, we're talking, we need to practice, while we are practicing social distancing, social solidarity, we want people to know we're in this together. Um, we will get through this. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be over, <laughs> and God will deliver our nation from it and the, our world from it. And what lessons can we learn? How can we do better? How can we provide better uh, resources? Uh, to our people in our community, what have, what have we learned in this? We have to be prepared better for these kind of things. Um, we clearly were not prepared as as organizations for the, these kind of things. This won't be the last time this happens. Great. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much. Do you have any final parting words of wisdom or encouragement as as people are exploring the the uh, forgiveness loan and the stimulus package and and moving forward? I, I would just say. You know, the ones that are going to be hit the hardest during this are, are organizations that majority of their giving comes from individuals. Um, if you have, you know, they're, they're taking a hit, but many are getting the benefits of the extra social or uh, extra unemployment insurance and stuff. So hopefully that we won't see a biggest hit as we think. Um, we won't know that for a couple of weeks, but uh, the, the ones that are organizations that are getting grants, most grantees are being very lenient on your deliverables. Many are given extra money. We CCDA is seeing a lot of its organizations getting extra money from their organization to see them through that. They don't want to see that their nonprofits fail in their mission. So we're seeing a lot of, if you, if you have current loans with foundations, contact them, tell them, Hey, we're going to have to postpone our deliverables three or four months. Is there any resources available for us to get through this time? And we're seeing a lot of foundations working with organizations that way. So I would encourage you to, you know, don't panic, you know, think these things through and uh, be in prayer. And, and as Kevin said, you know, God will see us through this. Great. Pastor Kevin. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I could have said it any, uh, any better than what yeah. he did. Mm -hmm. 
And I guess I just want to go back to what I said at the very beginning. I mean, I feel like that it's important that we have this conversation because nonprofits and churches are struggling. Um, but, uh, but more important in all that is the people who are struggling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I don't want anyone to feel like that if they listen to this, that somehow or another we're begging for money because that is not what we're doing at all. We're trying to offer a service and, um, um, and we need to remember, um, we need to, we need to show people grace and, uh, as pastors understand that, um, that there's people who are hurting and you know what, you know, you're, you, you may have to hurt a little bit with them and not expect people to keep giving um, at the level they've been giving when they've lost their jobs or just when they're f- afraid uh, that, that um, uh, what's going to happen. We, we have to always put people ahead of anything else. We're here for the people. We want to minister to people. And uh, the people's needs are more important uh, than my church's needs and my nonprofit's needs. The people's Absolutely. needs are more important. Well, Mark, thank you for joining us. Once all this clears, it would be great to have you back and just kind of get an update on how things are are going with CCDA. But thank you for joining us on Floods of Justice. The Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Join the conversation online at floodsofjustice.com or find the Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs on Twitter at Riggs underscore Kevin.